0: Time after time, I went searching for peace in some void. I was trying to blame all my ills in this world I was in. Surface relationships used me till I was done.
1: Tonight, let's take our Bible, turn over to the book of Psalm, Psalm chapter 95. I uh, obviously am part of Vacation Bible School, and it just happened that today um, Brother Josh was speaking out of Psalm chapter 95, and when I heard uh, just the verse that he used, I thought, you know, I want to preach on that verse tonight, and so um, Psalm chapter 95, there's one phrase in there that I want to focus on, and, and honestly, it's the same phrase he focused on. I think I'll do it a little bit differently than he did. Uh, he was doing some weird stuff. Uh, but, but, you know, that's what you do when you deal with first through sixth graders, right? So anyway, I mean, you're a, a much more, much more refined and, and obviously, you know, just intellectually skyrocketing, right? I mean, I understand that. So I'm going to have to try to address it differently. But before I do, I thought maybe I'd share just a couple things Uh, that I shared with the teenagers the other night and they seemed to think that this was extremely important material and so I thought I'd give a a little bit of it to you. Anyway, uh, a doctor had a patient and um, uh, the patient was in terrible shape and uh, the doc said, you know, you're going to have to do something about it. First, you need to tell your wife to cook more nutritious meals. Stop working like a dog. Also, inform your wife that you're going to make a budget, and she's just going to have to stick to it. And have her keep all the kids off your back so you can just, you know, settle down and relax a little bit. Unless there's some real changes like that in your life, sir, you're probably going to be dead in a month. So, doc, Doc, listen, I, I, I can't even believe that news, but this would sound much more official coming from you. Could you please call my wife and give her, the, give her all those instructions? Well, when he got home that night, his wife rushed over to him and said, I talked to your doctor. Oh, poor man, you've only got 30 days to live. <laughs> so they're supposed to get better. That's what the teens, the teens told me. So, okay, it was a summer evening, and it was late. I mean, it was late, and it was in Broken Bone, uh, Nebraska. And this, I mean, this truck driver, he was wore out. I mean, he pulled his rig into an all-night truck stop. A waitress, he had just, uh, she just you know, had just served him, and, and uh, about the time she just got his food out to him, these three tough-looking, leather-jacketed motorcyclists of this horrible motorcycle gang stepped up. They decided to give him a hard time. Not only did they verbally abuse the guy, but one of them grabbed his hamburger off his plate. Another took a handful of his french fries. The third guy picked up his coffee, began to drink it. How would you respond? (laughs) Well, this trucker, he didn't respond at all like anybody expected. Instead, he just calmly rose, picked up his check, walked to the front of the room, put the check and his money on the cash register, went out the door. The waitress kind of followed them out to uh, put them, as she put the money in the, the, the cash register there. She kind of kept looking out the window, uh, out the door at the big truck as it drove away into the night. When she returned, one of the bikers looked at her and she said, well, that's not much of a man. He ain't much of a man, is he? She said, well, I don't know about that, but I, he sure ain't much of a truck driver. He just ran over three motorcycles on his way out of the parking lot. <laughs> Okay, getting better, right? Okay, now they told me this one's good. All right, I'm gonna give it to you, all right, you know? There's a preacher, a doctor, and a lawyer. They all go out deer hunt. And all of a sudden, this beautiful, I mean, beautiful 10-point buck appears in the distance. All three, I mean, the doctor, the preacher, and the lawyer, they all take aim, and boom, they shoot at the exact same time. Of course, that, that... 10-point buck drops. I mean, it drops. That's an amazing shot, by the way, too. But the lawyer naturally pipes up and says, well, I'm the one that made the kill. Doctor, he chimes in. He says, well, listen, I tell you what. I'm going to go down there. I'll examine the deer. And when I come back, I'll be able to tell you who was actually the one that shot the deer. So the doctor walks down, examines the deer, and he comes back to say that it was the preacher that shot the deer. The lawyer says, now, how in the world do you, how would you figure that out? The doc says, well, that's easy. The bullet went in one ear and out the other. (laughs) I hope that tonight it doesn't go in one ear and out the other, right? Amen? All right. I'm not going to preach the message I preached to them that night. Uh, You couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle it. I I, I tell you what, I was sore the next day from that message, I'll tell you, I got sore. I created this box of a wall that I built, and then I went crazy and destroyed the the wall. And uh, let's just say that I don't need to be doing that at my age. But nonetheless, it, it, you know, hey, you know, so we won't do that again right now. I'll have to heal up first. Psalm chapter 95, we're in chapter 95, verse 1. We're going to read the first three verses here. And like I said, we'll get you out of here, because I know some of you have to go pick up teenagers and things, and that's fine. Again, they're having a great time over there. Appreciate the Lord uh, holding the weather off. I mean, that, uh, we were a little concerned there for a while, but it looks like they're at least going to get through their game time here. In the next three minutes, they'll be preaching as well. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 95, verse one: 1, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God. The Lord is a great God. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you'd speak to our hearts this, this, this evening and help us to just glean and gather what we need Lord, thank you for the truths that you have provided us. Thank you for the simplicity of your word. Now be glorified in everything said and done, even this evening. Be with the teens as the preaching begins here shortly. May you just bless them also. Teach them something that will change their lives. Show them something that will transform them. Lord, we need you. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. Now, I want you to think with me for just a moment as we just, what what are some of the blessings in your life? Now, we're not going to have a testimony service, although I really kind of wanted one, but um, I want you to think with me, if you would, in your own mind, just think about three things that you're thankful for. Can you think about just three things you're thankful for? Now listen, I I know, you know, people say, well, you you know, the world we live in is upside down. It's topsy-turvy. It's crazy. That's all right. You know, we're Christians. We're going to be all right. We'll get through this. But think about the three things, just three things that you're grateful for, you're thankful for. All right, let's take just a moment and do that. Number one, think about it for just a moment. The first thing you're thankful for, let's just take five seconds and think about that. Here we go. All right, now number two, ready? The second thing you're thankful for, you ready? Five seconds. All right, and finally, the third thing. Here we go. Ready? Now, i got to believe that every single person in the room could come up with three things that they're thankful for. And I just want you to think about those three things along the way. And I want you to remember those three things long after you've left here today. Again, as I said, the world can be a pretty depressing, pretty difficult place to live in. It's very important that we remember what God has done in our lives. Now, in the opening here, Psalm chapter 95, it opens with an amazing phrase. Notice it says, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Notice the two words, let us. Let us. You know, that phrase, let us, is a worthy study in whether it be the Old or the New Testament. To look at those two words and just take time to kind of surf through the Old Testament and the New Testament is very profitable indeed. The first time that it occurs is in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 26. Let's take a look over there, would you? Genesis, chapter 1, verse 26. All the way at the beginning of the Bible there. Notice that the passage there says in verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1, and we're dealing with creation here. The Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over uh, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And you know what he did? Exactly what he said. Now, the angelic hosts, they they watched on in wonder as God did something that he had never done before. This was unique, it was very different. And by the way, the rest of creation was brought into being by divine decree as well. Literally, God spoke. He literally spoke. The Bible tells us, and God said, and God said, and God said. The birds and the beasts, the creatures of the sea, everything came into being by a creative command of God. Not by man, but a creative command. Everything did. The truth is is that God himself reached down and he fashioned Adam out of the dust of the earth. And then the Bible tells us that he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. God said, let us make man. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. The us, the Trinity, let us. Man was then given the capacity to know and to love and to even worship God. See, that's the first let us in the Bible. And that first let us sweeps across the entire foundation of evolution in one giant motion and sweeps it right off the stage and says, be gone. Because man was not the byproduct of evolution, but truly a divine decree of God. Then there's the second lettuce. Let us. We're going to find this one and turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 11. Chapter 11. With Adam's fall came a lot of trouble. Eventually, we know the flood came. God somewhat, he started, kind of pushed a restart button, if you will. But before long, despite God's attempts, Noah's descendants... They kind of mobilized and they, they attempted a very radical um, movement to dethrone God and elevate themselves. Look what happens in Genesis chapter 11, verse 3 and 4. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. They planned a federation of nations, if you will. Better known to us, we might say, uh, United Nations. Nations a world society for which God was not welcome. He was excluded. They said, let us. And so therefore they had a political, religious, cultural order or system based on humanism and a one world government that rejected the headship and leadership of God himself. Boy, are we moving in that direction in the world? That's where we're moving, folks. This is nothing new, what's going on around us. It's been the same old story over and over and over again in history. Mankind always trying to leave God out of the equation and come together to build a super society. A society that is getting better according to evolution. But as we know, only digressing... Any time you leave God out of the equation, it only gets worse. It never gets better. Amen. Let us, they said. It's almost like the society that we read about in Psalm chapter two. Turn in Psalm chapter two. Again, I believe that this is this society that we see in chapter eleven of Genesis is pictured in Psalm two. And by the way, in Psalm two, we also—it's a prophetical psalm that shows us a society yet to come. So it looks back at chapter 11, but it looks forward to our day or even beyond. Notice what it says in chapter 2 of Psalms. Verse 1 Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? That word vain meaning empty, there's no substance. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. See, that is what I believe we see in Genesis chapter 11, without a doubt, and it is also what we have to look forward to in our world today. But then God answers and responds. He says, let us go down. Let us go down. And what will God do then? He will confound their language in chapter 11. So what we find then is that God, he answers their let us with his own let us. I didn't say lettuce. <laughs> I'm not much of a salad eater, although I will eat it. My wife has taught me to eat salad. I've learned, actually, I don't even mind a salad every once in a while, if it has a lot of egg on it. You say, why is that? Because, well, I guess they say you are what you eat, and I'm used to having a lot of egg on my face. But anyway, did that come out right? But anyhow, okay. So as we arrive here at Psalm chapter 95, it's sort of refreshing, because this psalm opens up with the phrase let us and it's a phrase that's being used this time by mankind again but in a very different way than it was used early on in the bible very different in psalm chapter 95 verse 1 and 2 he said it says oh come let us sing unto the lord let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Why sing? Why shout? Why offer thanks and praise to the Lord then? Well, verse 3 opens up by sharing why, I believe. For the Lord is a great God. That's why. That's why we ought to sing unto the Lord. That's why we ought to make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. That's why we ought to come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Why? Because the Lord is a great God. He's a great God. So why is the Lord such a great God? Well, I mean, if, I, mean I could ask you that and you could probably give me 10 different reasons why he's a great God. I might ask another person, they could say, well, I, I can't come up with 10, but I can come up with 8. I could ask another, and they'd say, well, man, I can go way beyond 10, I can give you 12. But see, it doesn't matter, because I'm the preacher, and I'm only going to give you 5. It's, I'm up here, so I get to tell you 5, okay? Because I don't have time to do 10. You'll be really mad at me if I gave you 10. <laughs> But you are right. You could have 10 and 15 and 20 and 30 and 40. Think about for just a moment those three things that you're thankful for. Think about those three things earlier that you were thankful for. For the Lord is a great God. First of all, why is our Lord such a great God? Because of his great love. In John chapter 15, verse 13, the Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, the Bible says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. His great love, the Bible says. I mean, it's great love that God has for us. I don't know about you, but I, I really, really, really want someone to love me in a great way. Someone says, Well, I love you. How much? Remember, Jesus asked Peter that, didn't he? Well, how much you love me? Uh-huh. Man, eh. eh. I want oh, that much. Right? I want to get loved that much. Great love. And you know what? God loves you that much. You are so loved. There was a church years ago that had a track that said, You are so loved. And on the track, they had a little baby there. And the little baby only had his little shorts on. He, he, didn't, have, he didn't have a top on, so some baps were really offended. <laughs> he had a bunch of lip marks all over him, like somebody had kissed him all over. His face and his little body. said, you are so loved. I thought it was a pretty neat little idea. You know what? That's how loved you are, so loved. We could say, for God so loved the world. Boy, I tell you what, we are loved today. The next time you start questioning whether or not you're loved, you need to think about God. You need to think about those three reasons why you're thankful and realize that God does those things for you because he loves you. He loves you. Number two, our Lord is a great God because of his great mercy. Turn if you would to Numbers Chapter 14, verse 18. Numbers chapter 14, verse 18. I mean, he is a great God because of his great love and also because of his great mercy. Numbers chapter 14, verse 18, the Bible says, the Lord is long-suffering, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation. Notice he says, the Lord is long-suffering and of a great mercy, great mercy. Well, I'll tell you what, the Israelites understood a little bit about the mercy of God, and, if they, and at times they forgot about that mercy and they slipped off into sin. And may I tell you that if we're not careful, we'll forget about God's mercy at times. We think about His grace, unmerited favor, getting what we don't deserve, grace. But there's the mercy of God that says, I'm not going to get what I do deserve. I deserve punishment for my sin. I deserve to be separated forever from God and His love. I deserve to go to hell, but in God's great mercy, I don't have to. That's a wonderful thing because of His great mercy. Psalm chapter 86, verse 13. For great is thy mercy toward me, the psalmist says, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. Boy, what mercy God has. Great mercy God has for us. It's not just a little bit of mercy. It's not this much or this much or this much. It's this much. It's great mercy. Again, you say, well, this isn't that deep. This isn't very biblically. I mean, this isn't complicated. Exactly, it's simple. These are the things we need to remember about our God. We need to remember that He is a great God. A great God because of His great love. A great God because of His great mercy. A great God because of His great power. In our verses here in Psalm chapter 95, as you move past verse 3, you come to verse 4 and 5, and the Bible says, in His hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hill." hills is in his, is in his all is his also the sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land I mean this is referring back to God and his creation what great power I'm amazed at the the and, and let me just say this in all kindness I'm using the word ignorance because to me anyone that doubts that God created must be ignorant because the reality is, an ignorant is not stupidity, mind you. It's just not knowing, and in many cases, the truth just is not known. They are blinded. People, listen, folks, listen. I want to tell you that the lost cannot see what you and I see. Sometimes, they are blinded. The Bible tells us they do not understand the Word of God as we understand it, because we have a supernatural unction of the Holy Ghost that illuminates the Scriptures, that that makes a, avails them to us and enables us to understand. We recognize and see truths that the world cannot recognize. And we can bang our head against the wall. We can go ahead and scream if we want. But the truth is, is that until they know the Savior or until the Lord Jesus Christ supernaturally intervenes and illuminates their heart and their lives, they'll never see what we see. But I want you to know that for us, for them it is ignorance they do not know God it's simple he had to have created things it's impossible it's ridiculous it's totally uh, unbelievable to think that there was a big bang at some point that there was some energy force that came together and there was friction and there was heat that formed because of energy or some crazy there's all kind of theories now because we've debunked so many of them that now they keep coming up with new ones And by the way, since it was so many billions of years ago that it happened, you can keep creating new ones because you can't say it didn't happen. You weren't there, were you? I wasn't there. And you say, but they weren't there either. I know, but they have the advantage because they have science in front of their name. They have doctor in front of their name. So they're going to tell you they know more than you know. Can I tell you that if you're holding a Bible in your hand today, do not feel inferior to a doctor? I'm not saying be disrespectful. They've earned their rights. They've spent years in school. They've, they've taken the time and the effort and put forth the energy to, to, to get a degree. Then by all means, call them doctor. Respect them for the efforts that they put forth. You know, it's, there's nothing wrong with respecting people that earned certain degrees and things. By all means, however, you don't have to feel subpar or inferior to. You have the word of God. You've got the truth right here in front of you. This book, the word of God, is truth. And you know what it refers? It speaks to us about his great power, his creative power. In Nahum, 1, Nahum 1, 1.3, the Bible says the Lord is slow to anger and, and great in power, and great in power. Do you know, I get the impression that God's trying to remind us he might be slow in anger, but if he wants to, he can crush us. I mean, he's slow in anger, but if we don't don't understand that we need to submit to him at some point, he's going to have to crush us. And someone says, that's not love. Well, you read the Bible and tell me what happens to people who reject his son. It's not that God wants to have anyone go to hell, but if someone rejects his son, they, listen, that is a slap in the, the God of heaven's face. Listen, you turn around and you let your son die on behalf of someone and then let them tell you that they don't want nothing to do with what your son did for them. How are you going to feel about it? Let me tell you something. We are a people that need to recognize and understand our need for Jesus Christ in our life and how important he is to us. We serve a God that's much bigger and far beyond anything we can ever imagine. We try to bring him down onto our level. We try to somehow make him fit in a little box. If we're not careful, we're doing our very best to somehow try to make him out to be like us. To feel like us and to think like us and to respond like us. Certainly God has to be like us. No, he is nothing like us. Nothing. We are tainted by sin. He is perfect and holy and righteous. He, everything he does is right. And you say, well, I looked at that Old Testament and I don't appreciate how he responded at times to the heathen. Let me tell you, he is always right. He did it exactly like it needed done. I'll tell you what, I'm not God, I'm not gonna question him because he's great. He is mighty and he is worthy of our praise. He has great power. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind, and in the stream, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Can I can I just remind you again that there is a reckoning day? Listen, don't don't allow yourself to get all bent out of shape about what goes on in the world all the time. Realize that vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Just let God have control of things. You trust God and you be the Christian you're supposed to be. You love people and you act the way God intends you to act and you just go through life trying to win people to Christ and serving the Lord and you have purpose in your life. Your purpose goes beyond this world and beyond this life. It goes into eternity. You just keep living for God and let him worry about justice. Let him worry about equaling everything out. Let him worry about making the criminal pay. Let him worry about those things. Get too bent out of shape about everything. It'll all be okay. It'll get worked out. We wear ourselves to death over things we can't control sometimes. We need to trust the Lord sometimes. He has great power, let me tell you, great power. The clouds are the dust of his feet, he says. (laughs) He can handle it. I'm just going to let him, I'm going to trust him to handle some things because I know I can't. I can't fix all the problems in my life. I can't fix all the problems in my, my church. I can't fix all the problems in my ministries. I can't fix all the problems in my world. There are some things I'm just going to trust the Lord with. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to do what he wants me to do, and I'm going to trust him. Mark 13, 26. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power, with great power and glory. Jesus Christ is coming back. Now, can I tell you that I take no pleasure, nor do I have any desire to see people crushed and sent to hell. I, I cringe every time I read over there in chapter uh, 20 of, of, of the book of Revelation when the Bible says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. That bothers me. That bothers me. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't take pleasure in thinking about people who have yet to receive Christ or have acted wickedly ending up in a place called hell. There is no comparison to what someone can even do to another human being compared to what hell is like. We can't even fathom what hell is like. This idea that, well, good, you'll get yours one day. Man, I, I tell you what, I hope I never get that way toward people. I hope I never do. Because there's nothing that compares to hell. Nothing. Nothing. But in the long run, whether someone has hurt or harmed you or done something unjustly to you, my friend, you don't have to worry. One day, it'll all be equaled out. And he says here, in the end, that they're coming. He's coming back. And when he comes back, he lets us know that uh, he's coming with great power and glory. And then, why else is he so great? I'll tell you why, because of his great salvation. In Hebrews 2, 3, it says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? So great salvation. In 2 Corinthians 8, 9, the Bible tells us it was so great, for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Well, I'll tell you what, that, that was a great act on his behalf. That's, that's love. We talked about his love already. But because of his great salvation, this is a great salvation. It cost a great amount. In John chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That the world through him might be saved. He goes on to say this. He says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, I want you to notice this. Mankind is already condemned. See, when Jesus Christ came to this earth, he did not come to condemn mankind because mankind was already condemned. He came to save mankind. That's a wonderful thing. That's why he came. Sometimes we get the idea that God's all about trying to catch us doing something wrong. He's trying to help us get to the right place. That's what his goal is. That's what he truly wants. And finally, not only is he great, a great God because of his great love, his great mercy, his great power, his great salvation, but because of his great things he hath done for us. Take your Bible, look at 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24. Remember those three things again that you're grateful for, that you're thankful for. A great God did that for you, gave those things to you, provided that for you. He did those things. Notice the last one. Again, in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24, the Bible says, Only fear the Lord. Notice 1 Samuel 12, 24. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things He hath done for you. Consider, he says, how great things he hath done for you. Well, just a little bit ago, as we started this service off or the preaching, we said, all right, let's think about three things we're thankful for. Just three things we're thankful for. Now, listen, we admitted that there could, there's got to be a number of others. There would be a a, a number of other reasons as well, I'm sure. Just like there'd be a number of other reasons why we say that he's a great God. There's going to be a number of other reasons why we say he's, you know, we're thankful for for what he's done for us. And here are some of those things. Boy, it's important that you consider those all the time. It's important that you and I think about what God has done for us on a regular basis. We can never put our, uh, put, you know, we can never neglect remembering those things. We have to remember those things. Listen, things happen to us all the time. We get blindsided. I mean, I, I still remember, uh, you know, uh, a number of times in my life, uh, I remember, well, I, I'm trying to avoid a specific situation, because some folks might, well, there was a young person one time in our church, and that young person uh, got sucker punched at one of the youth rallies. You know, somebody come up behind him and went, wham, hit him right in the back when he wasn't looking. Nailed him, knocked his tooth out, he just had it worked on the day before. So it, it, his grandpa told me, he said, you know what, I, I just paid to have that tooth put in, now I just not knocked out. I was like, ah, great. (laughs) Just hope you don't ask me to pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) He got nailed. I mean, he was sitting on a post, and somebody went up and went, boom, right behind him, nailed it, boom. Hey, things happen, right? That's life. By the way, you may not have ever gotten sucker punched like that in reality, uh, you know, a real sucker punch, but metaphorically, you've been sucker punched. I mean, you've gone through life, and next thing you know, you got the wind knocked out of you. I mean, you you got nailed. I mean, before you even realize what happened, you're thinking, what just happened? That's why it's important that you keep considering all the good things God's done for you. Because it's in those moments that if you're not careful, you'll start to think, maybe God's not so good after all. Maybe he's not so great after all. If he was so great, why'd he let that happen to me? You can't forget what God's already done. You can't forget about what God has done for you. And that's what the Bible says, only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he hath done for you. When we think about how many great things God's done for us, then guess what? It's much easier to fear God and to serve him in truth with all our hearts. Consider how great things he's done for you. So why is our Lord such a great God? Well, because of his great love, his great power, his great salvation, his great mercy, and the great things that he's done for us. Therefore, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. We do that because of the great things he's done. We do that because he is a great God. Let's not forget the Lord is a great God. The Lord is a great God. And you know what? He's my God. And he's your God. You serve a great God. And boy, he's been great to us too. Father, we come to you. We thank you for just the simplicity of your word. There's nothing complicated about it. But Lord, we do ask you to help us. May we, like the psalmist, when we use the words let us, may we come to you singing. May we come to you praising and thanking. Oh, God, we need you today. I don't know what folks are going through in their lives here. There's problems that abound in our lives. You promised that we're going to have heartaches, we're going to have difficulties struggles and trials, but we don't have to go through it alone because you, our great God, is with us. Thank you for being a great God. We love you. We thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed.